morning, everyone. It's great to see you for the first time this year. It's uh, good to open God's Word, and it's welcome to um, some visitors up the back there as well, and uh, anybody visiting online as well. It's great to have you with us uh, today. If you, uh, if you want to follow along, uh, there's an outline in the bulletin that uh, you might find helpful, uh, and uh, we'll have the passage in Psalm 107. We'll look at that passage in Psalm 107 together. Uh, let me pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to read your word and understand what you are saying to us. And we thank you for the many opportunities you'll give us throughout this year. And we thank you that this is the first one and that we can meet in peace and safety. Teach us this morning, O Lord, to follow your word so that we can keep your word to the end. We pray that you'll direct, our, direct us in the path of your word Help us to find delight in your word. We pray that you'll turn our heart towards your word now and not towards selfish gain and turn our eyes away from worthless things. Preserve our lives according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in our first church gathering together in 2022, this time last year, it was actually on the 2nd of January this time last year, I can say I can say last year now because uh, it's now two, 2023 and all the usual jokes go around. It's you know first day of the year and everything. Now I made some uh, comments in my sermon uh, and last year uh, as we stood at this, this pulpit, but over in the hall there, and I asked a series of questions about the coming year, about 2022. And this is what I said: There are many uncertainties ahead as we enter 2022. Uncertainties on a personal level as we deal with uh, the reality of our complex lives. Uh, and um, some starting new schools, uh, as, uh, and particularly um, uh, starting kindergarten, and last year, Jara, uh, Jaya sorry, and Clara, I understand, kinder started kindergarten, is that right? Yes, I'm sure it was uh, not as traumatic as you thought. And then there was six of you heading into high school for the first time, this time last year, Annabelle, Asher, Joel, Caitlin, Mia, Micah, uh, year seven already over, uh, about to head into year eight, and now Joshua and Jaden and uh, Amity heading into year seven. Again, a new lot coming through. Now I said uh, for some of you uh, are with loved ones who are unwell, uh, not to mention COVID-19 hanging over everybody's heads. And ironically, a week later, I got COVID-19 myself <laughs> uh, within a week of saying that. And I, another question I asked was, what will happen in our country, the world in which we live? No doubt uh, there's been a change of government in Australia and on a global scale, Russia invaded Ukraine. I also asked, what new people will join us this year? And a lot of people have joined the congregation in the last 12 months and it's great to welcome you into the congregation as well as a couple of babies who were born, Nathaniel and Obieze as well. Uh, it was great to have you with us. But one question I asked that I found interesting was, will anyone pass away? Now, that's a bit of a dumb question, really, because every, every year people do pass away. In terms of famous people, there have been many, particularly in Australia, but uh, famous actors around the world, Sidney Poitier, Angela Lansbury from different generation, my generation above. Uh, there's certainly musical talent within Australia, Archie Roach, Judith Durham, Olivia Newton-John, and for those who remember, Great Balls of Fire, Johnny Lee Lewis. Uh, for the older, that's for the older among us. There's the cricketing triad who passed away, Shane Warne, 
Rod Marsh, Andrew Simons, and also Paul Green, tragically, the NRL coach. And just a few days ago, the famous Brazilian football player, Pelé. And who can forget, of course, the most famous of all? Queen Elizabeth, can you believe it? I didn't think you'd forget Queen Elizabeth. She passed away. So then again, from among us, from among us, we, we said farewell to Brian, Brian Gillett and, and Jim Sinclair, Helen Burke, uh, and others known among us as well. We weren't to know that when I asked the question at the beginning of the year. And naturally, when you reflect on people who have passed, there are, there are many stories to tell, stories about what people did that indirectly reveal things about their character. Their actions reveal their character. We come to a passage today that reflects on the life experiences of four different groups of people as they engage with God's actions in their lives. And just like a person's character is shown through their actions, so also God's character is shown through his. So as we begin 2023 by reflecting on this passage, we'll be prompted to reflect on our own story. Our own story. And all of us have a story to tell. And my question is, what makes my story, what makes your story, what makes our story worth listening to? As we head into the 175th year of this congregation, what makes our story worth listening to? Well, let's explore this passage and see what God says about that. Now, the creation around us that God created shows that God is powerful, creative and wise. And the Bible reveals to us that this all-powerful God behind nature, what people call Mother Nature, but we know it's actually God behind nature, behind creation, is also a personal God who can be known. He's not some kind of Mother Nature that's out there. He's a personal God who can be known. And the Bible is one long story of God's interactions with people through history to, to make himself known. And this interaction reveals his character. Now, who can tell me? Some of the young people, if you're listening, what is the? Lo I asked this question this time last year when we did the psalm. See if you can remember. What is the longest book of the Bible? Psalms. Yes. All right. Very good. And uh, how many chapters in the book of Psalms? Anybody want to guess? Okay. Is it more than a hundred or less than a hundred? More than a hundred. Is it more than two hundred or less than two hundred? Less. Is it halfway between 100 and 200? Yes. And how many is it all together? 150. All right. Okay. Now, within the book of Psalms, it's broken down into different sections. So those 150 books are broken down into sections. How many different sections are there? Now, I'll give you a clue. You pick a number between 1 and 5. How many different sections are there in the book of Psalms? One, one, anyone? Two, three, four, five. Yes, that's right. It's broken into five smaller books. And today's psalm begins book number five. Psalm 107 right through to Psalm 150, book number five. Now, throughout our sermons last year, we also summarised the stages of history in the Bible with the letter E. And I introduced four E's. And I'll keep bringing this up because we're going to keep looking at the Old Testament over and over again. Four E's. The first E was four. Who can remember? Eden. That's right. The Garden of Eden where it all began. The second E was? Second book of the Bible. 
Exodus, that's right, Exodus. So if you can't remember the second day, just think of second book of the Bible and that's a way to prompt. And then after they exited out of uh, Egypt, they went somewhere. Uh, and so what's the third E? This is one I introduced a little bit later. Enter, that's right, entry. They entered into the promised land. Did they stay in the promised land? No, they didn't stay in the promised land. They went into exile. That's right, the fourth E. And so different parts of the Old Testament we can understand by looking at where they fit in regards to those four E's. Now, the book four of Psalms was to encourage the people who were in exile. And it reminded them that God was in control when their ancestors were disoriented and wandering around in the desert in the days of Moses in the Exodus before their entry into the promised land. Now, book five that today's passage is in continues that encouragement. It leads people from the despair of exile and the discouragement of being taken out of the promised land to the celebration of new life in the land that they return to after the exile because they come back to the land. So Psalm 107 sets the scene for the rest of the book of book five. Psalm 107 to 150. And we're going to be looking at five psalms in that series over the month of January. And it is a psalm set in the service of like a thanksgiving service in a temple like this that we have here. This not a temple, but it's, um, but it's set together where people gather together and they celebrate together different examples of God's deliverance, different testimonies. And the repetition in the psalm that you might have noticed lends itself to being... <coughs> recited in a public gathering. So it's later on in the service we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed uh, and it's a lot of, we remember a lot of what it says. And so it's a little bit like these psalms are written for people to recite, to try to remember things about who God is. And it's easier to remember things when the structure is repeated, a little bit like a chorus in a song. We remember the chorus but we can't remember the verses. Um, but it begins in verse 1 here, just to do an introduction. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those who redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. So God reveals the goodness of his love for people by redeeming people from their foe. He redeems them from their enemy and gathers them together. And the people are invited to tell their story of being redeemed, their story of redemption. And what follows in this psalm is actually four stories of redemption or four images of redemption. And each of the four stories have allusions to different parts of Israel's history. So from your knowledge of the four E's of Israel's history, Eden, Exodus, Entry and Exile, I want you to think about maybe what kind of links are there between those different stages as we go through. So have a look at some of the imagery here. Verse 4, story number 1 starts in verse 4. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Now straight away you see the illusion, think, oh, maybe it's talking about the Exodus as they wandered in the desert to the promised land, crying out and being delivered is a bit of a constant theme of that wandering. But verse 7 might suggest otherwise because it says there in verse 7, he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle, a straight way. Their wandering in the desert was hardly 
the straight way to the promised land. So it could also point to the exile where they returned through the desert from exile. And Isaiah chapter 40 uh, says this. You might be familiar with this. Chapter 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. It was a sort of a reference back to them coming out of the exile and straight back to the promised land. And you'll notice that an expression of thanks in verse 8 appears and is repeated each in each of the four stories. It's repeated four times. And it says this, verse 8, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. These words echo the opening words of the psalm, of course. And the repetition maintains the focus on the, of the whole psalm on the work of God to redeem and gather them from the four corners of the earth. And the reason for thanks is shown in verse 9. Verse 9 there. For he satisfies, satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Now whether the writer was referring to the exodus or the return from exile, the, main, the key theme is, is being redeemed from a situation from which there was no hope of deliverance. Being redeemed from a situation where there was no hope of deliverance. Story 2. Story 2. Let's move on to story 2. The second story continues to pick up this theme, verse 10. This time, verse 10. Some, beginning, each story begins with the word some. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labour. They stumbled and there was no one to help. What do you think, Exodus or exile? Egypt, maybe? There are links to the Exodus because they were prisoners in Egypt, maybe, in chains. But the suffering under Egyptian captivity was not because of their own rebellion. However, the generation of exiles did suffer because of their rebellion. And the expression of thanks, once again, is repeated in verse 13, the repetition again. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. And this imagery of verse 16 reflects the language also used in Isaiah 45. In verse 2 it says this, I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. It was talking, prophesying about the return from exile. So it could be exodus, could be exile, it could be in mind. But although not all of them uh, were imprisoned in exile. But either way, the people could, not, could all resonate with the language and the imagery being used, being redeemed from a situation where there was no hope of deliverance being redeemed from a situation where there was no hope of deliverance. And the third story continues. It says in verse 17 this time, the third story, verse 17, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. This could historically be referring to Israel's punishment by plague in the book of Numbers, chapter 11. Chapter 16, chapter 25 as well. While they were wandering in the desert, God graciously gave them manna to eat, if you remember. 
but they constantly grumbled and rebelled against God and they were struck down with a plague in Numbers chapter 11, 16 and 25. Or it could be again pointing to the exile where they had no one to blame except themselves. The exile had been a kind of sickbed and they were driven there by their own moral perversity. Once again, the expression of thanks appears in verse 19 for the third time. Then they cried to the, to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and he rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. The reference to sacrifices in verse 22 could point to the people who came back from exile and offered sacrifices of thanks. Ezra chapter 8 verse 35 says this, Then the exiles who had returned from captivity sacrificed burnt offerings to the Lord, the God of Israel. But the language of healing is also used to speak of their return from exile in Jeremiah chapter 33. Nevertheless, I'll bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. But either way, the imagery continues to reflect the theme of redemption throughout the whole psalm. Being saved from a situation from which there was no hope of deliverance. That is what redemption is. Being saved from a situation from which there was no hope of deliverance. That deliverance came at the hands of God alone. And now the final story, story number four. Some went out in verse 23, verse 23 this time. Some, again, the fourth time it uses the word some. Some went out on the sea in ships and they were merchants in the, on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves and they, they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Like the first story, the imagery here engages with travel and the encountering of the forces of nature. Now, Historically, it doesn't point to the Exodus as no ships, as we know, were used in the crossing of the Red Sea. Perhaps it could be a reference back to Solomon, who at the height of his power built a fleet of trading ships. The Mediterranean Sea was notorious for merchant ships encountering difficulties in its unpredictable waters, which is where Jonah came to grief as he tried to escape from God, if you remember. So there are lots of connections there to different parts of the scriptures. But at the end of the day, the nautical skills of the sailors were of no use. They could only trust God in prayer and that's what they did in the familiar words in verse 28 there. Verse 28. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Again, it's repeated. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Now, these four stories could be connected to all manner of stories in the Old Testament. There's so much imagery 
uh, in there. Now, I used to do a lot of bushwalking, hiking up mountains and things like that. I haven't climbed as many mountains as I've... Uh, the older I get now, it's a little bit harder. But, uh, but you notice when you, the higher you climb a mountain, the more that you can see of the surrounding landscape, the more links you can see of the different parts in the landscape that lie before you. Uh, it's in a similar way, the broader knowledge that we have of the whole Bible as we dig into it, the more links that we can see from the different parts of the landscape of the Bible between the passages. Now most of the psalm would have, uh, would have been recognised as being rooted in historical re reality for the people who were reading it, such as the wanderings in the desert and the, the captivity in Babylon. But at the same time, the stories were also easily understood as metaphors for being saved from a situation in which there was no hope of deliverance. That's the strength of uh, poetry sometimes. It just captures the sense of what's going on. So each example in the four stories describes spectacular examples of human plight where somebody is, the people are delivered rather than day-to-day -day examples, small things. They're quite spectacular examples. But by using such extreme examples, the psalmist magnifies the act of grace on God's part to redeem them. God's grace in redeeming people from a situation where there was no hope of deliverance. And ultimately we know the ultimate act of deliverance came through an extreme act of sacrifice by God himself. And when Jesus walked the pathways of this earth, his actions revealed his character. He came healing people and calming storms to show that he was actually Lord of nature. He was the one who could bring wholeness and forgiveness. Jesus redeemed those who call on his name by giving up his life through death on a cross. His death in our place paid to deal with the judgment we deserved, delivered us from separation, from the goodness of God forever. Now we know that and we just keep being reminded of that reality. And so in Jesus, God offers us hope in a situation where there appears to be no hope of deliverance. We can't deliver ourselves from the judgment on us that our sin deserves. And it was the experience of the jailer in Acts chapter 16, by the grace of God, he was saved from a situation in which there was no hope of deliverance. What must I do to be saved, he asked. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. The story of the slave trader, John Newton, whose own experience on the high seas was very reminiscent of the same situation in story number four. And if you ever get a chance to read his bi a biography, it talks about him being in the middle of a ship in the middle of a storm, clinging to the mask, desperately crying out to God that he would be delivered. And he was indeed delivered from the storm, but ultimately he was delivered from death and judgment. And he penned those incredible words, those powerful words, I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see in the song Amazing Grace. So 
And let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, it says in the opening verses. And for all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus and are redeemed from death and judgment, a situation from, from which there is no hope of deliverance, we too can tell our story. And I asked at the beginning, what makes our story worth listening to? Our story is worth listening to because it is not really our story. Our story is worth listening to because it is God's story. And in the service on October 9 last year, uh, we looked at how gathering together such each week is a testimony to our culture of who God is. The fact that there's Christians gathering and making the priority to gather together is a testimony to who God is. And as we begin our 175th year of gathering together as God's people here in Enfield, a theme that comes out of this passage today is there in verse 3. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. The celebrations of this year are about testifying to the one who redeemed us. We may not have dramatic stories to tell that the language of the psalm represents, or we might have stories that don't involve, that they might involve dramatic circumstances or they might not. But what is common to all our stories is that the one who saves us is somebody who saves us from a situation where there is no hope of deliverance. He has redeemed us from the hand of death and judgment. And he has gathered us from the lands of the east and the west and from the north and the south that we celebrate together, the multicultural nature of our congregation. So as we begin this year, I want to encourage you to consider two things. Two things. One, it is the Lord God who redeems. He is the redeemer. We don't redeem ourselves because there's no hope for deliverance in and of ourselves. It is the Lord God to whom we give thanks for his love that endures forever. It is the Lord God who gathers his people from the ends of the earth. With that in mind, let us be people who reflect our absolute dependence on him through our commitment to prayer. Let us be people who make prayer a priority this year, that we will redeem, that God, uh, that God will redeem God, people's lives in our community and in our world, from among our households, from among our community, from among the communities where our link missionaries serve from around the world. So I give you a challenge for January, the month of January. There's five Sundays. Our last Sunday in January, the 29th. Between now and then, I want you to be creative and come up with ideas about how we can incorporate praying into our daily lives, into our weekly schedules, into our yearly seasons, both individually but also as a congregation, as a congregation. Let's share our ideas together and think about ways in which we can actually be equipping one another to pray. And you know that I've tried to implement a lot of things since I started here. I want to hear your ideas and encourage you to be intentional about the way we pray. Monthly prayer lists and meetings online, all the different options. Think about them over the month of January and uh, let's actually be intentional throughout this year. Secondly, I, I mentioned a lot of names at the beginning when I, in my introduction. Uh, that I want to do that intentionally because I wanted to highlight that we have a story to tell individually. God has redeemed us from within the context of our life circumstances and all of you have a story to tell. 
The reason your story is worth listening to is because it's God's story. It is the Lord God's story of redemption, of your redemption. So let's pray that this year, with all its trials and challenges, that we, that we take the opportunities that God gives us to tell our personal story of redemption, as well as our gathering story as we celebrate our 175th year. Let's start praying now that God will give us opportunities to share our story throughout this year and beyond. But let us pause now and uh, to do those two things that I've mentioned. I will pray uh, and then we will affirm to each other what it is we believe as God's redeemed people. Uh, the foundation and backbone of our story is in the words of the Apostle Creed, Apostles' Creed. And then it becomes personal to us individually. And I'm going to explain later on in the service some of the initiatives we're going to take this year as we celebrate 175 years, some of the initiatives that we can take as a congregation to use this as an opportunity to let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story here in Anfield. So let me pause now and we'll pray before we say the creed together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you, Lord, for you are good and your love endures forever. We thank you that although we have wandered in desert wastelands, We've sat in the darkness of life, been fools in our own rebellious ways, experienced the turmoil of the deep. We praise you that when we cried out to you, you heard our cry for mercy and you delivered us from the judgment of death and separation from you. We give you thanks for your unfailing love. May we be people who are faithful in expressing our dependence on you in prayer this coming year. We thank you that we have a story to tell that is worth listening to because it is your story. May we take the opportunities to be one of the redeemed of the Lord who tell their story this year. In your mercy, raise up people to be wise enough to heed these things and ponder your loving deeds, O Lord, so that they themselves have their own story of redemption to tell. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.